Well, it's an honor to be your lead pastor, and one of the things that we are distinct and unique uh, compared to some churches is we do have a, a vision to stand with Israel, that God is still at work with Israel, that God is going to do a great revival among them. We know uh, a number of ministries in Israel. We have relationship with them, and uh, we believe that God brought them back to the nation prophetically and that they're the, the central piece of the end times. And so uh, we have this trip going to Israel here in late April. And But if you're not going on the trip, maybe you haven't been before, and you have some interest to learn more about Israel, we are having, we being Henry Christian Church and Living Waters, we're combining a study for four Sundays at Henry Christian Church for the four Sundays of February. So that's next Sunday starting at 3 o'clock there at Henry Christian Church. So I want to encourage you to come out and learn uh, God's uh, blessing in the end times on Israel and how it affects us as well, and come on out uh, to those teachings. I want us, before I start my message, to say a a prayer together for our nation. Uh, I bet you were just impacted and horrified at the um, uh, Tyree Nichols video uh, that we've been watching on the news this week of his beating and then death there in the hospital. I, I, it just is shocking. It just it's just awful to even to to watch that with their own eyes, much less what he went through. His family is going through. So we want to pray for the family. We also want to pray for officers because that is a unique uh, role in our community. It is a calling, and um, I have a. Uh, a a nephew in Virginia who's a police officer, and I have a number of men and women I know here in our county who are officers, and and they take this role seriously, and they do it to the best they can, uh, and and I just want to pray for God to continue to to improve and and bless our officers. They sacrifice so much. Uh, I'm part of a pastors group that meets with uh, the sheriff. Uh, in, in Shelbyville, Simpsonville, the uh, chief, uh, uh, I mean, the, uh, the police chiefs and the sheriff here in this county on a regular basis. Our next meeting is, in fact, coming this Thursday. And you, these are godly men. They're godly leaders. They want prayer. They, they, uh, they have done well in increasing and improving their training and documentation. I mean, they are really top-notch uh, departments that we have in this county. We are very privileged and I want to pray God to bless them and give them favor because what we saw in those videos, that is not, that is not common. That is not the majority of the police officers that I've met. I can say that in my, you know, experience. And let's, let's just pray right now for our nation and our police force. Father God, this was gut wrenching what the Nichols family is going through, uh, in others. Well, God, we pray for your comfort over them, God. Lord God, give them uh, a, a sense of your comfort and peace. May they, in the midst of their sorrow, Lord God, may they sense you close, Lord God. Father, we pray that this tragic death has uh, a, a redemptive value to you, that you bring in many into your kingdom in Memphis and around our country, Lord God, that will, people will humble themselves and turn to you, Lord God, for salvation. Lord God, we are praying, Lord God, for the Memphis Police Department, Lord, that you, you help them uh, be the best they can be, Lord God, and you, you help them and bless them. We pray for 
uh, the surrounding counties, uh, our region here, stretching from Lexington and, and Louisville, Lord God, help our police forces improve and get better, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you give them favor. So many, Lord God, most do this as a calling, as a purpose in their life, Lord God. They do it uh, to the best of their ability, Lord. Strengthen them. Give them uh, more recruiting, Lord God. Fill their forces up, Lord God. And Father, we, we just give this whole thing to you. It's overwhelming, and we're asking you, Lord God, to do a work in our nation. May our nation turn to our, our knees and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, in this 21-day fast, we have been digging into what does it look like uh, to have a deep well of the Holy Spirit, that it's God wants not just for us to have a deep well, and His rivers of living waters are for us, but that they flow, and these uh, wells open and flow to others. Uh, last week, and started a three-part series called Catching the Harvest, and uh, the subtitle was uh, The Lonely and the Lost. And I wanted to see in Scripture that this harvest, though I believe there is an end-time harvest, I believe it's only going to increase throughout the earth. And we think of, of big crowds of people, maybe stadiums and all, but actually the harvest that God goes after and we see Jesus going after is the lonely and the lost. Like Hagar in the Old Testament, and she was alone, thought she was going to just die out there, and God provided wells for her. Like the woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus saw the one, and, and he actually uh, you know, opened this door of the well for her. So today's um, Catching the Harvest part two is one at a time. And I'm going to, uh, as the Lord wills, get in this message, and you'll see that in the New Testament, one at a time is the mind of God. It's the way of God and the way he works. I know I brought up about this loneliness last week, that uh, it is not good for man, woman, and boy or girl, girl to be alone. And I want to say that the first answer to all that is God himself. Because though he created it, us to want community and relationship, it's primarily with God himself. And I want to say that our salvation is the first step to all the needs of human, relational needs of humankind. The first step is God himself. And that God himself wanted to be sure that we were in relationship with him. I want to direct us in a couple of uh, scriptures in, a, in a John, the Gospel of John, and we're going to start looking at John chapter 14. And in this set of chapters, really starting at the Last Supper in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and there's conversations that then happen there at the Last Supper after they've received it, and, and, and actually Judas has been sent away to go do what he's going to do. So now it's Jesus and the 11, not the Jesus and 12. And these next chapters, 14, 15, 16, 17, are all in red, pretty much. If you have a red letter edition of your Bible, it's red letter. So Jesus is just 
talking with the 11, his closest friends, his leaders who he's going to send out his last teaching in a small group setting. And it is the most vulnerable and intimate conversations that we hear him revealing about himself. The word love, the agape in Greek, is, is used there in these four chapters, perhaps more than any other place. The word father is used there, as the Gospel of John does a lot anyway, in these four chapters. So I want to tell you that the, this, is, this is a set of chapters you need to be very familiar with. And if you underline and circle like I do, have it all over. And so what we're seeing in John chapter 14, starting at verse 16, is the perspective from God in heaven toward us in this relationship that he wants. And it says this, and uh, Jesus says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it never, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Father, thank you for your word and that your word has power in it. It has truth to sanctify us and transform us to be more like you. Thank you. Lord, amen. He says, he's saying, listen, it's better that I give you, I go and give you another help of the Holy Spirit because he will abide with you. He, it's not that he's just going to help you and empower you from coming down like we read in the Hebrew scriptures of old. No, this is going to be a new thing. He's going to be actually so close. He's going to be in you. That's how close we are. Our relationship, our intimacy is that close. And then he says this, which I love this imagery. I will not leave you orphans because he's uh, has become, you know, their leader, master, and even he sees them like his his children that he is is discipling and, and raising up these new spiritual babes. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So he's saying, this is how it works. I see you. I see your loneliness. I, I see your, your hurting, and I come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. There is a, what they call an orphan spirit, even among Christians today, that we have a sense of, yeah, God is truth, God is real, and I have his Bible, but we can feel like we have to earn our love from God. We have to earn his acceptance of us, and we are fighting and out of fear often. If I don't do this or I'm not good, then I'm going to lose this relationship. No, listen, the Father, he's the Father. He sees you uh, and, and comes to you so that you will not be an orphan. In fact, you're not an orphan. An orphan is someone who's lost mom and dad. An orphan is one who's deprived then of protection and provision from family. A young orphan child cannot survive by itself. If it's left itself, it would not only be alone, it can't take care of itself, it would eventually die. God is not into lonely. Think about this. Even amidst the Godhead, there is a community there is a unity, a union among God himself. God himself has uh, uh, 
set the, the Godhead up. I mean, it's a mystery. The Trinity as Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But even in today's, there is an increasing fatherlessness in today's communities. Where there are, the, because of busyness or broken families, whatever it is, there's a, often a distance from dad and child, and that there is a sense of being alone growing up, and people grow up with an orphan spirit, and God says, I'll call myself a father, and you're not going to be an orphan. You're my son and child. I come to you. How old is Xavier? Six. Our cute, precious Xavier, six years old. Grandmother Evelyn goes here, and David serves here very faithfully. His mom passed away. His father is alive, but his father has not been able to engage with him and have that ability to be a close father. And so though Xavier has got the love of grandma and grandpa and in us, he's in a vulnerable place right now. And so our little hugs and high fives and our prayers for him are important that all the, the arrangements of what happens next and living arrangements and all that, that God's will be done to protect and provide for this little guy. Let's pray. Father, he's so precious in your sight. Father, so we trust you that all these details, legal issues, etc., are going to come about in a way to provide for Xavier. That he will, will have provision and protection. He will have the love of the Heavenly Father and the love of our church family in and around him. Amen. So the gospel is good news and salvation is what says, hey, no, this, this orphan mentality is not for you to have. I come to you. And so it really starts there with salvation. And in the growing in intimacy with the Lord Jesus, that it doesn't really matter how close our family, family is, our marriage, our friendship, our work colleagues, we still have a place in our heart, and through Jesus Christ, only He can bring and meet that need of, ah, that was, that was what I needed, was relationship with God Almighty. He's paved the way, and if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a head knowledge, because maybe you've been in a, a church a lot many times, but you don't have a relationship in your heart, today is a great day to say, God, I turn from my ways and my sin and I turn to you. Come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I want to live with you forever. Let's go in another verse in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Maybe your translation said make our abode with him. 
Have you ever talked to a little child and you kind of train this way? They've asked Jesus into their heart and you say, where does Jesus live? Well, he lives here and he lives there. That by the Holy Spirit, God can do both. And again, this little phrase in this verse, like in uh, earlier in the earlier verse there, that I will come to you this time. We, the father and the son, by our spirit, we will come to you and make our home with you. Go to Romans chapter eight, verse 14. There's another expression Paul gives about this relationship with God. Yes, God is almighty. He does have a throne. Yes, there's angels that are flying around him, honoring him. Yes, it's amazing and powerful. And and there's nothing like it. There's nothing on earth like it. He is way above us. He's the creator. We're the creation. But listen, what is uh, how Paul describes our relationship with God. Verse 14 through 17, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, us, we, we Gentiles, we are engrafted in, we are uh, adopted into God's people. And there is this uh, this phrase adoption. See, adoptions, you've adopted pers- uh, parents have to go find the child. They come to the child and say, you were an orphan. Now you're not anymore. You belong to us. You belong to us. You, ha- you were an orphan. It's no longer the case. Listen, folks, you may have been an orphan, but you're a son or daughter of the king. You're no longer an orphan. God comes to you and makes his home in your heart. By his spirit. This phrase, crying out, Abba, Father, is that deepest need of every human. There's got to be more to this life on earth. What is it? Oh, it's an Abba, Father. Abba is the Hebrew word that children say for dad, for father, for dad, for pop, for daddy. And I've been on the planes and I'm uh, going to Israel and I've been on in Israel and in particular for some reason on the plane flights it's over over the ocean and we're supposed to be sleeping and the little kid is not sleeping and this kid just keeps saying Abba 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 and you hear him saying Abba and you hear he, he won't this kid won't go to sleep but you're going oh he's saying it I've, I've read about it in my Bible, but he's actually saying it. He's calling out to his father, Abba. I love it. Next couple of verses, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, we are together the children of God, and we are heirs of Christ together with Christ. He is our elder brother. He's gone before us. He's paid the price for us. And we're part of this family. And God wants Living Waters to be a family. I call it the gift of being known. And I 
said something like this. I tweaked the words a little bit last week, and it goes like this. You're not experiencing the church as a family unless you are known. Now listen, church is great, and, and, the, and the teaching is excellent, isn't it, huh? How about that, huh? The worship is great. Uh, together in this, this big group of people who love God, the corporate prayer, lifting people up. I mean, it's a lot of benefits of being part of a church, but to be in the church family, to experience that means you are experiencing the brother and sister type friendship, the spiritual mother and spiritual father relationship for discipleship and growth. There's more to how God designed this. Joel and Carol are founding pastors. Of course, Joel passed away a few years ago, and and I heard a story about them uh, by an HVAC guy. So my mom uh, next door to me this past year moved in, but she renovated the house extensively, and so the HVAC crew came in a couple of different times, and one of the guys is as we were sitting there in the front foyer and he was getting ready to leave, I offered prayer to him. And, uh, and that started a conversation. And so he started asking me about what church I go to, et cetera, and, and talked about, you know, mentioned Living Waters, and I'm the pastor, et cetera. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. So this is like back when you lived in Meadowbrook, Carol, this HVAC guy had been in your house. And so what is that, 15-plus years ago, maybe more, 20, 20, maybe 20 years ago or something, using the book. And, um, and he goes, yeah, well, yeah, but the, now, I've met the pastor of Living Waters. Yeah, I know, well, you know, he's passed away. I'm, I'm lead pastor, et cetera. And when I was at their house, I learned about, you know, Living Waters. And this guy, remember this, over 20 years? I mean, what is this? And, and so, you know, we were talking about church, and I invited him to church. He goes, well... He said, this is, this is kind of where we're at right now. He said, I want to go to church, and, and my wife, is she's interested too. She wants to go to a larger church, and I want to go to a smaller church. And she wants to go where you can just go and slip in and out, and, and I want to go where you can get to know people. Now, I want to tell you, I, I know there are larger church, churches have excellent small group ministries where you can go to a, a mega church and get very relationally connected. It's really a choice on the person, right? And it's a choice even for church air size, a smaller church. And so why is it that some want to attend a church but stay incognito, they just want to hang low and not engage in relationship. There's really a lot of reasons. I'm going to miss a few of them, but there's a lot of them. One is they might believe the media or past experiences that say that church people are judgmental people. And that's how they grew up thinking, or that's how something they experienced that in their past. Instead of being the people of mercy because God was merciful to us, surely we're going to be merciful to others, right? Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God's mercy. Or some were hurt and disappointed by church leaders. Because we are fallible and unfortunately, many of us have made horrible sins or mistakes and it's hurt an individual family. And they're going, if that's the leaders, 
I'm not going to a church again. Some have a general distrust with people until they really get to know you. We uh, have uh, different uh, men's groups. Uh, one's a Bible study on Wednesday morning. One's in the uh, Wednesday evenings when the, the ladies are having their ministry. And, you know, we had been uh, doing this for a, a couple months, a few months or whatever. In that particular meeting, there was only four of us. It's usually a little larger than that. And one of the men said, you know, because it's just four of us, I'd like to share some what's needs or what's going on in my family tonight. And he did, and we spent most of that time just listening and then praying and reading scriptures to build him up. But to go into intimacy and, and vulnerability, you can't do it in a big crowd of 100. Or it may not be, you know, wise to do it, except you know them and you trust them. And sometimes the, the smaller the number, the more easier that a person is willing to open up. As soon as you get into larger numbers, six, seven, eight, nine, the quiet person is just going to stay quiet and be a good listener for the night. These are the type spaces that God wants us uh, to develop where the people are trustworthy, that they've found us to be non-judgmental because we're good listeners, we care, and they can say, hey, I'd like to share this that's on my heart. Let's go to John 15. We're going to see Jesus get a little bit more specific and nail this even stronger with some very... uh, Unique language we don't see in, uh, uh, in the Old Testament scriptures repeated like we see in the New Testament. John 15, starting at verse 12, Jesus is talking. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Oh, my Wow, he said, just as. So that's how we're to do it. Just as he loved the 12, and that's the 11, but he loved his disciples. I mean, that says he's giving us an instruction, and he'll also empower us to do it. Because, you know, first glance, we're going, there's no way we can do that. And, and normally we can't, but by his power, we can love like Jesus loved. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends... You are my friends if you do what I command you. So living with them for three years, he didn't put out there that we're friends. It's now at the end of three years, he's putting out there, I'm now calling you friends. And I'm sharing, I'm going deeper, I'm going into another level of depth of sharing with you. And, and, that, and so, uh, so now I'm, I'm calling you friends. He tells what uh, you know friends are. They're ones that lay down their lives for each other. That's another very high standard. We can only do that with God's empowerment. But let's look at verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for slaves, uh, a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Again, the movement is he chose us. He came after us. He chooses us and he points us. 
But an orphan spirit or the mentality of a slave is fear. There's distance with the master. He's saying, no, no, there's not that distance. Listen, I'm in you. We make our home in you by the spirit. This is as close as you can get. And there's no fear of losing this relationship or, you know, being cut off because uh, the master got upset or whomever. Verse 17 says again, this I command you that you love one another. And so we have this phrase now, a one another phrase. It's, it's repeated in the New Testament. Uh, it's repeated about 59 times. It's actually one Greek word. See, God is into numbers. Just following track with me real quickly here. God is into numbers. Because when Moses had maybe two million people wandering around the desert and he was the lone leader trying to make all the decisions and judgment calls for the people's disputes and things. His father-in-law came up, Jethro, and said, uh, Moses, this is great, all that God's doing, but you are an ignoramus. What are you doing, you idiot? You're the lone leader? He said, break these people down and you release other leaders and get them down to the thousands, the hundreds, fifties, and tens. Down to ten. This he's God is into breaking big groups down to smaller groups. When Jesus fed the five thousand, that could have been with women and children, could have been twenty thousand people. And in the Mark uh, account of this, Mark chapter six, six, he said, "Have the have them all sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties." See, there's certain ways that God wants to get blessings to you, and there's certain. Uh, things that God wants to administer his grace and power to you, but you need to get in a smaller number. Because there's blessings, as Jesus taught the hundreds and thousands, there's blessings in that setting of, of the teacher and that spirit of God teaching people from the word of God. But then there's blessings as Jesus had the 12. And then even had the three that he revealed things to them, he didn't show the others. Peter, James, and John. And so there's even a smaller number, three. Well, let me tell you, folks, in the New Testament, there's a smaller number than three, and that's one another, one at a time. And here we are in this corporate setting uh, having a, 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 a teaching and worship together. There's blessings there. But I get to see your face. You don't see each other's face, do you? Because in a circle, you, you, as a, the bigger a circle gets, you can't really see and interact with people. Circles, people can see each other. And it's a smaller group, but, and there's relational, uh, in that group time, there's relationship building. But in, you get bigger, you have to start getting rows in the chairs. And then you're looking at the back of the heads of people. And I am the only one that see your face. And you're so beautiful and lovely, by the way. There's some, uh, just, um, God loving men that, that have been meeting with a few times to get some feedback about this catching, uh, catch the harvest of vision. And um, as we were talking uh, one night, I asked them to, you know, share some things in their heart, and David Skaggs was one of them. David, come on down here, and uh, wherever you are, wherever you're at, there you are, over here. And um, David and Amber are people that just love to serve God and his, his body. Uh, they're already into... Um, uh, just serving in different ways, technology and, and other things. Amber's on the computer right now. And, uh, and 
and he's also just uh, loves to get in the word. And, and um, so I just said, you know, there, I want you to share what you, you know, sense and felt that evening and just share with the rest of us. David, go ahead. Okay. Now, we did meet earlier to make sure that I keep this short. If you've met with me before, you know, <laughs> that'll be a blessing if I can keep this short. So um, I really would like to thank, and he's not even here, so you can't even say hi to him, is Matt Russell. Uh, Matt Russell is part of this group, and he's become such a good friend um, of mine just in these times where we've come together. And he had asked a question, because this Wells illustration, if you're new to Living Waters or you're visiting here, um, we're called Living Waters, and it references the passage of Scripture where the Holy Spirit's bringing up wells of living water within us as the body. And so that's what, what a great name. It's biblical. It's right out of the scriptures. It's something we can point back a beautiful illustration. So we've been talking over the last few months of um, just this illustration of wells having been covered up, that it's time to dig out, to access that living water that's uh, found in these wells. And a lot, that resonates with most of us in this room. So um, as Matt was mentioning, he asked a question. He said, are we... A deep well? Is living waters a deep well, or are we trying to be a deep well? And kind of an illustration came to mind, and, and Pastor Philip asked me to write it down, and, and I get to share it. So thank you, brother. I'll, I'll try to share this quickly. And so if you will, picture a well from like a blimp view way, way, way up in the air. And you look down, and you see a very large well, and you can kind of see the water that's moving around down in it, and it's full of water. But as you get closer down and your vision comes down a little bit closer to it, you see it's not one well, but it's a ton of little holes in the ground that have water in them that are all right next to each other, and they're circled together. And from far away, you kind of see this, and it looks like a huge hole in the ground that you can dip a ton of water out of. But as you get closer, you see it's a bunch of little bucket-sized holes in the ground. They just happen to be right next to each other. And so all the water you want to draw comes from a single portion bucket. You have to lower and pick, pick one of those little holes and draw water out of that. And a lot of times, especially in this modern day, that's what the church has become, unfortunately. It's, it's a, from a high up view, it's a big well. But when you get closer, you realize it's a bunch of individual followers of Jesus who have dug deep down. Thank God for their faithfulness. They've dug deep down and through some hard rock and through some rough dirt and bad weather conditions. And they've dug deep into the living water that is Jesus Christ, the head of the church. But the Holy Spirit's been gathering all these diggers of these wells together. And for whatever reason, in this body, he's brought a lot of people who dig wells and put them right next to each other. But unfortunately, a lot of times, we got our head down and we're so busy digging the hole that we're working on, we haven't looked up to see somebody right next to us. And there's this little partition of dirt or rock that's separating my individual well from a brother or sister's individual well. That happens in families, that happens in, in life groups, that happens in churches all across America. We're digging deeply, going for the Lord. We're trying to access the living water that is Jesus Christ. And if we would lift up our heads and look right next to us, the Holy Spirit's brought another brother or sister, and they're digging deep in the ground. Well, I got, can I share a verse? Yes, you okay? can. All right. Had to make sure. So this is your one another as well. You might have had this. I apologize if I stole it. We did John 14 and 15. We'll go to 13 real quick. So, <laughs> okay. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another 
just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Catch this right here. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the purpose of the church as a well dug deep into Jesus is to offer this living water in unreal doses to a world that needs Jesus, the living water. But if we can only dig into our own little personal-sized well, we can only get one small bucket at a time. Can you imagine if you looked to the ones that are around you, the Holy Spirit has brought brothers and sisters, and he keeps putting them in that, we use the term sphere or circle of influence within this body, and he puts them right next to you. And if you would just take just a moment and turn to the side, you've dug deep, the water's there, turn to the side and start knocking down the walls that separate your well from a brother and sister's well. And the whole church started doing that. It would change the way water is able to be drawn from that well. What does that look like? One last verse. And I think this is not irony that it's 1 John 3.16. Everybody memorizes John 3.16. So now you have another verse that's easy to remember where it is. It's 1 John 3.16. John wrote, he loved, he loved the topic of love amongst the body here. So good. He says, John 3.16, by this we know love. This is the church. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought or must lay down our lives for one another. That's what we do when we start kicking the walls down and, and put that pickaxe and that shovel that Pastor Philip talked about months ago into the side and start knocking these wells together. So, Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? What, what day was it this past week that you uh, led in the 12-15 uh, prayer time? That was Tuesday? So on Tuesday, um, he shared, and he didn't share this, this imagery of the, of the larger well and the little wells, but he had another scripture um, out of John 17. So we're right in here, the same, same section. And, uh, and it talks about how we're in a unity. And so I'm, gonna, I'm going to, on the church email, um, hopefully today, tomorrow, just get that handout that he developed. It has several... Uh, sections to it with scriptures and things, and I, I want you to see that. So, because uh, it's it's going to it's going to take you into another script, another set of scriptures and things with this uh, re- related to us. Pray for us, David, as a body, as a family. Father, we thank you so much. First of all, we thank you for this family mm-hmm. that you have not left us alone. You've given each one of us who are following you closely the indwelling Holy Spirit. And you said it was better that you go, that we would have the Holy Spirit living within us. And then you've brought us together. You didn't leave us alone. Even in that, you brought us together as a family. And you've set over us yourself, Jesus, as the head of this body. You call us in Hebrews 12 to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we thank you so much for that, Jesus. Thank you for each person that is gathered here today. It's by your will, Holy Spirit, that we are here together. It's not an accident. We didn't show up today uh, just by chance. You've brought us together, and you've built relationships amongst each one of us, and you're calling us to dig deeper into those relationships so that the world can know that you were real 
And you empower us by the Holy Spirit to do that. So I pray, Father, that we would lay down whatever it is that keeps us from being closer to one another, that keeps living waters from being that well, that water can be offered to a lost and dying world in mass quantities, Lord. Help us to put aside the things that separate us and let us unite with one another in that unity that Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer where he said, Father, I pray that they would be one just as you and I are one and that they would love one another as we love one another. And you empower us to do that, Lord. We love you. We're excited to see what you're going to do in living waters in the years to come. right. As we kick down the things that separate us and we begin to dig out those Uh, partitions in the well that keep the lonely separated and isolated and families on their own feeling like there's no one there walking with them. Father, help us to do that well. Let this church be united in that unity you prayed for, Jesus. It's your heart. You're the head of this body, and we want to follow you, and we want what you want for your body. So we ask you right now, please change our hearts if they don't line up in that way. We pursue you in a joyful and an awesome way that we're so excited to see what you are going to do, and that is all by your Holy Spirit. We love you, we thank you, and we give you everything today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Appreciate it, bro. All right, bro. Good, good, good. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up. I'm not quite done yet, but I want to go ahead and kind of transition uh, into something here. There's more in this, uh, in John, and what we talked about, and I, I, want, to, I want us to, to go there, and we will. But I want to hang in here longer with this one at a time. Jesus ministers to the hundreds of thousands, but he goes after the woman at the well. He does the one at a time. And then he sets up, through his apostles, to teach us about the one another's. And one of the, you saw the word fear come up today in a couple of these scriptures about being an orphan or having the mentality of a slave. And I want to say that when Adam and Eve first disobeyed God and sinned, and then God came later to spend that time with them in the cool of the day. What did they do? They, they went to hide, and they? They hid. And so the immediate result of sin is shame, and that's, what, that's a form of, of shame is hiding. And so I have another little, um, little quote I want to say about the gift of being known. And it goes like this. When you don't need to hide and you keep your heart open to those who are safe. Safe is just a people, a person that's, they're trustworthy, they're good listeners, they're, they're going to care for you, and even if you don't say something right, they're going to walk with you, they're not going to, you know, hammer down on you, they're going to walk with you in this, and, and, and sometimes we close our hearts to people. God wants our heart open, trusting people who are safe. So the gift of being known is when you don't need to hide and you keep your heart open to those who are safe. We want people to find us this spiritual family that way. 
And I think we are that way. I honestly believe there is genuine, mature love of the Father and the Son in us. We just need to get ourselves connected to those who need it. Wells are for the lonely and the lost. Wells, God's salvation, we're going to catch the harvest one at a time. And I'm going to just let you, while this music's quiet, is to listen and look at these 14 scriptures I've, I've seen in the Google searches, and I'll be breaking it down uh, someday, this one another set of scriptures, 59 or more perhaps, is worth a study later this year in some form in small group or here on Sunday mornings. I just want to read 14 to you and just let your heart and spirit say yes, yes to these. Number one, pray for one another. Greet one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Give preference to one another. Number five, live peacefully with each other. Six, encourage one another. Next, accept one another. Eight, admonish and warn one another. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another. Submit to one another. And last but not least for today, be hospitable to one another. Thank you, Lord, that you are working by your Spirit, that there's a one, there's a one at a time person for us to follow your instructions and do these today and tomorrow and this week. And thank you, Lord, that you break the orphan spirit over our minds, over our souls. Because you make your abode in our hearts. You make your home in our hearts. Let's let the worship team do this song as we continue just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What is he speaking to you about this message, about these truths? And let this time with the Lord continue to work deeply in your heart. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. 
from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no members say that this is one of the most friendly and welcoming church I've ever been in. And this is that going into relationship in spiritual mothering and brother and sisterhood relationships for discipleship. I am so excited about next Sunday. I can do it right now. I don't need the notes. I've been looking at it weeks. Next Sunday is going to be just an important vision Sunday where we not just conclude this series, Catching the Harvest, but it's going to propel us into 2023. And uh, so I'm really thrilled. So God, with his people, set up a specific blessing on God's chosen people. And I want to repeat that ironic blessing from number six right now with the blessing of shalom on it as well so receive this family of God my brothers and sisters receive this blessing from your father the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, where everything as it really ought to be, there's nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile. 
His smile is His smile of approval of you and His pleasure of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved. May you walk under the warmth of His presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. We have altar ministry people here available for prayer about anything going on in your family, in your work, finances, or your health. I'll be around here as well. We want to be a people of prayer. Feel free to come. Otherwise, feel free to worship or you're blessed to have a great week. So glad to be together with you.